That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now, from the beginning. Welcome to BS Beyond Stereotypes, a podcast about lawyers using their authentic voices to change the world. It's diversity, but that's like, you want me to assimilate and become like you. I don't want to do that. The key is when you can get inclusion and then equity. And that requires the organization institution to change. BS, Beyond Stereotypes. I'm your host, Merle Vaughn. Here to BS with me today is Jeff Harleston, whose story I find fascinating and have no doubt will inspire all of you to embrace your authenticity. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Merle. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Great. So wanted to just let everybody know a little bit about you. You know, you can always correct me if I'm wrong. You can give us uh, more details. But but I know that you uh, graduated from Williams College undergrad. Uh, You then came to the West Coast to uh, Berkeley Law School, which is where I met you many moons ago. You've worked for a couple of very high profile um, law, uh, private law firms out of law school, and then became a federal prosecutor. Um, ultimately, before becoming the uh, going to Universal Music, and ultimately becoming the um, uh, general counsel. Is that pretty accurate? That's fairly. It's 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 fairly accurate. A little condensed, but fairly accurate. Well, why don't you why don't you give us a little bit more flavor? Okay, um, I have uh, I, 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 uh, I've been at Universal for 27 years, um, almost to the day, and um, uh, it was a it was it was a kind of one of those things that was one of life's unexpected surprises. I was, I, as you mentioned, I'd been working um, for two years in perhaps the greatest job I ever have had and probably will ever have. Uh, as a prosecutor in the Office of Independent Counsel, um, which is what we used to call them. Now we call them special prosecutors. But this was for Iran-Contra, which was a uh, a big scandal coming out of the Reagan administration. Um, and uh, th- that, that uh, tour of duty ended rather abruptly when uh, when when uh, uh, we were effectively shut down by then President Bush, um, and so I had to find a job. Okay. And a a good friend of mine from law school, um, who had been following all the activity, reached out to me and said, "I saw what happened. I can't believe that you guys got shut down. I don't know what you're thinking of doing next, but I'm working at this record company in Los Angeles, and you'd be great at this. We're about to hire some more people. I think you'd be great." And I'm like, come on, I, you know, at this point, I, 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 I was a litigator uh, my, in, in my firm career, obviously, as a prosecutor. You know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe if I stick with this, I might be able to be a judge one day. Right. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I go to a U.S. attorney's office. Maybe I go back to the firm. But the thought of getting into uh, the music business and moving to Los Angeles, uh, we're, we're both kind of like, that's odd. But being at a, at a point in my life where I, uh, 
you know, I had I I I, uh, I had no no real uh, encumbrances, so to speak. I, I was you know I was not married, didn't have any kids, so I thought, you know what, I'll send my resume. They liked it. They flew me out. They hired me, and very quickly I was moving to L.A., um, which I thought would be probably a year or two. Um, but uh, surprisingly, I've been there 27 years, all with the same company. And I started with with Universal, which at the time was the, the music group was known as MCA Records. And uh, and during the course of my time there, I started as a a uh, the the it was probably the lowest form of life in a in a record company, which is the most junior lawyer. Um, and and over time, worked my way up. Uh, to be the head lawyer for MCA Records and then the head lawyer ultimately for our entire company, which is comprised of several record uh, labels, a music publishing company, a merchandising company, and, and some other things. Wow. I'm even more impressed now, Jeff. <laughs> so, you know, is that, do you, do you feel like, because I think this is really, could be really interesting for people who, just don't um, know how I, I know you got a call from a friend and then and that's, that's being, you know, that's uh, fortuitous, but you also took, you know, decided to take the leap. You know, you took the risk, you sent, you sent your um, resume in. Is that something that uh, defines who you are? Have you always been that person are you still that person? You know, is this something that you, you know, you advise, uh, especially young people, young lawyers to do? I'll tell you, it's interesting. I, um, I got some advice early on in my career and, and it was advice. It was like kind of career path advice. And it was when you're, when you're looking to make a move, whether within, uh, you know, an organization or, or maybe leaving to go to a different company or firm or something like that. He said, one thing to always think about is how many doors will this move open versus how many doors will this move potentially close? Mm-hmm. So as you're evaluating where, you know, what your next move is, it's like, well, if I go, if I go down this road, if I take this job, if I'm, if I'm at a law firm and I decide to go in-house, is that closing doors for me or is that opening doors? Well, it might, one might think it's opening some doors because I ultimately want to transition into being a business person. So maybe in-house makes sense. Or it, it may close some doors because, well, if I if I go in house, I'm gonna I'm gonna move off of a path uh, in terms of a practice area or something that that I you know I think might be you know uh, somewhere I could excel and become you know the preeminent uh, you know uh, uh, litigator for for First Amendment or something like that. So you know you kind of do that. You kind of you know you know flip these things around in your head. And, and to this point, like when I, when I got the offer to join the independent counsel's office, I said, hmm, this is a move that definitely opens doors for me in the future. And I don't see it closing many. But when I got the offer to go work at, uh, at MCA Records, uh, I really, I, I, I had to stew on it a bit because I did feel for the first time I was closing doors. I was going down perhaps a path that was taking me away from being a litigator because now I was going in-house to effectively, you know, spend a lot of time uh, in a transactional environment, um, which was different for me. Hadn't done that before. 
um, in kind of turning my back on litigation and turning my back on on a path that I I really knew what it was. I didn't really know where this path would take me. Um, but I thought it's, it, it, no, the short answer is no, it's, it's, it was not who I was at the time. Um, but I took the risk anyway. Uh, and, uh, and I think things have worked out. Okay. Cool. So, you know, I guess, you know, we're, we're, well, I know we're here to talk about stereotypes and getting beyond them. And, um, one stereotype that comes out of what you just said was that you were a litigator and that you had never done corporate transactions before. Um, and did you feel any, did you feel that people were making stereotypes about you either professionally, personally, in any way when you made this switch? Um, uh, and, you know, do you think that that they were right or wrong? And and were there any stereotypes you you have felt like you've had to overcome? Well, I'll deal with the I'll deal with your last question last because I view that a little bit secret. Um, I didn't see no. It was it was actually very interesting at the time. The the um, you know, my boss at the time who hired me had a had a distinct philosophy that he actually hired almost exclusively people who had litigation backgrounds. And the reason was his, his philosophy was twofold. One is if you're a litigator, you're probably going to be better attuned to where a contract can go wrong and where, it. Might fall apart and where the problems are. Um, and um, secondly, he felt that, you know, in, in, you know, a, a a basic record contract is not the most sophisticated transaction you'll ever do, right? You know, it's not like a big, uh, you know, M and A deal or a big, uh, um, uh, you know, real estate deal or something of like of that nature. Uh, there are not that many moving parts to a record deal, so um, you know that's something he felt. If I find somebody who's genuinely smart enough. And and uh, um, you know and and uh, motivated enough that that it, with a litigation background, that's probably a pretty good bet. So I didn't feel stereotype. I mean, maybe 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 transactional lawyers from a firm right. you know, type, right. but I didn't I didn't I did not feel stereotyped in that way at all. No. Um, have I dealt with stereotypes in my career? Yes. Uh, yeah, quite often. Um, you know, stereotypes based on, on you know, by my, uh, uh, you know, educational background. It's it's interesting being in a in a creative business. Um, there's often an assumption that uh, a lawyer, you know, and sometimes a finance person are the least creative people in the room, um, and and. Uh, you know, I've had to combat that stereotype to certain degrees throughout my career. And there have been times also, and I should, I should mention this, in my career, it wasn't just straight line. Um, for uh, a five-year period, I, I left the law, still with the company. Um, I was working for, for one of our labels, Geffen Records. And um, I was the general manager of Geffen Records for five years in a completely non-legal capacity. Oh. Um, so, so I was, you know, I had, I had marketing and promotion and those kind of departments reporting to me. Um, and so it was much more of a creative job. Um, 
And so uh, that, you know, that, that balanced things out. And even now, as we speak, I'm the general counsel of, you know, of our, of our entire music group, but I'm also serving as the interim chairman of, of Def Jam uh, Recordings, one of our labels, um, while I'm searching for uh, uh, a new uh, president for the company. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of jobs. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> That's another, that's another podcast, Murat. It's another podcast. Right. How, how to wear wear too many hats. <laughs> or how, yeah, how to wear too many hats during, how a global, <laughs> during a global pandemic, right? I mean, like none of this was, it wasn't supposed to go on quite this long, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm stuck now. So, okay. So you talked about stereotypes and in, in, um, for, you know, being a lawyer um, and, and how that looks. Um, what about uh, have you have you dealt with or did it sounds like you've been fortunate? I've talked to other people, particularly people of color on our podcast who've had felt like they've had to to really, you know, navigate um, stereotypes, especially litigators um, in, in the courtroom. You know and what you know, the, the preconceived notion is when they walk in a courtroom. It doesn't sound like you've dealt with any of that with respect to, to race. Well, it's interesting. When I was a litigator, um, particularly when I was, was a prosecutor where I was, I was in court quite a bit, um, as, a, as, a, as a black man litigating in D.C., that was fantastic, a fantastic experience. And, and here's, a great, here's, a, here's a great story. So we, um, I had a very high-profile trial of a very high high level government official. And there were <clears throat> four of us on a trial team. And um, we, we it came time to pick the jury. And we were doing jury selection. And you know, this one, no, that one, no. One, there was one guy. Um, he had, he had, uh, um, he was probably, you know, early to mid thirties. Uh, had an athletic build. He's, he was white, and he had gone to Duke, and had and had go, even gone to Duke's law school for, for I think one or two years. Had not completed law school, but had you know ultimately had dropped out. But he'd had a, a year or two of law school. Now the other three members of my trial team were all white males, and boy, they loved this guy. And something about me, I just, I, I just, I, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. Right. Um, and and they were like, no, no, no. This is this is the guy. This is the guy. Um, and we ultimately kept him. The trial went on for six weeks, almost two months. Uh, we we submit the case to the jury. We're we're waiting a day, two, three days goes by. Judge says there's a note from the jury. We rush to the courthouse. Jury has a note. They have a question. They have a question about jury nullification. And what? Like, what? And so we kind of deal with it. And then the next day there was another note along those same same lines. And the judge basically says, you got one juror in there who's 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 basically uh well, actually, actually, what happened? We ended up having a mistrial, and then the judge told us that the one one juror was had brought up the concept of jury nullification. 
uh, nothing, it was no, nowhere in the instructions, nowhere, you know, it was not something that really was relevant to the case, but, um, and it turned out to be that one guy. So we, since we had a mistrial, we actually retried this individual. Um, and this time everyone looked at me and said, okay, you pick the jury. <laughs> and I picked the jury. Uh, they, they let, they let, they let me do it. I picked the jury uh, and, and, uh, and we, we, we got, quickly got a conviction and life went on, but I, I only say that it was kind of a, a, a little bit of a reverse stereotype in a, in a sense. Um, but in, in, you know, in, you know, in, in, a, in a jurisdiction like DC, it was, it was wonderful to look in the box and see a lot of people that look like you and right. you, um, as well as, as court personnel, not so many, a, a few of the judges, but certainly you know, the clerks and the bailiffs and, and whatnot. So it was, uh, it was, that was pleasant. But, but I have, I have definitely uh, encountered stereotypes throughout my career, uh, stereotypes based on race a lot. Um, uh, in, in my current position, um, it's not uncommon to, to, uh, you know, we may be involved in a big negotiation or trying to settle a litigation or something. And, and there's a big meeting and I might show up with several of my lawyers, one, two, or three. I have, I have a staff of 175 lawyers around the world. And I may show up at one of these meetings. And it's interesting to watch the dynamic in the room. Uh-huh. It's, it's with, with, if, if, if it's people who, who we've not met before, undoubtedly the dialogue will go back and forth. And I might you know, interject something in terms of position or we're not going to go that far. And people might look at me and then go, okay, as I was saying, um, and then ultimately <laughs> to the point, and then, you know, then they realize who's actually calling the shot and it's, and it's fascinating to watch it. Yeah. For, for me, it's something that I've turned into a bit of a game because um, I enjoy it. I've learned to enjoy it um, because it's the only, it's the only other way to, to, to address it. Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's present. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in no, um, you know, in, in many corporate environments, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's very, uh, you know, these kind of challenges exist in, an entertainment company, particularly a record company, it's very interesting because you tend to have a fairly diverse workforce because you're dealing with a, you know, a fairly diverse product in the terms of right. artists. Um, so you you tend to have a workforce that kind of looks and feels a lot like the the uh, the roster of artists that you're that you're working with, and so. Uh, you know, there are certain people who are really good with country music and certain people that are really good with rock music and certain people that might be might have a greater affinity or or knowledge with hip hop or R&B music. Um, but when you get to the senior ranks, uh, it's not so diverse. Yeah. And, and so it's it's uh, it is interesting to um, as people. Uh, you know, uh, you know, see someone uh, that looks like me, that has a background like mine, and then has a position like mine. Um, it is not lost on me the the uh, the the responsibility that I feel 
to make sure they understand exactly who I am and what I am and what I'm about and what I am not willing to uh, to um, accept as in terms of the realm of acceptable behavior. And that brings me to authenticity, because because, you know, I think that um, or I believe that, um, you know, in all these diff- difficult situations, the people who who tend to to transcend them and, and the people who who tend to be able to um, get past all these things and, and, and enjoy the game, as you said, are generally understand who they are and 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 uh, insist on being authentic. Um, so do you agree with that? And if you do, you know, what makes you authentic, um, in, you know, either personally or professionally? I do agree for sure. And it's something that, that I haven't had, well, I was going to say, it's something I had to grow into, not my authenticity. Um, I've always, I've always been black and I've got that. But it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, um, it's the the being comfortable addressing the uncomfortable situation. I'll put it that way, and that took that took me a little while to to get to that point where I felt that I was I was comfortable enough to address the uncomfortable situation, which is not something I'm I'm proud to say, and it's not that I suffered through too much because I'm I was I was someone who was raised not to not to suffer through things like that but 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 I have you know but there, it, it took a while for me to to kind of get to the point where I was comfortable and now I'm kind of gone even further past that where I'm like not only am I comfortable I I, I seize those moments um, and make them opportunities for for learning uh, and 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 growth for not only, the individuals who might be engaging in behavior that's their conduct that's not that's not appropriate in one way or another, but but also just you know uh, the the company as a whole. Um, but it, it but it is something that you know I, I think it's you know, for when you're more junior, it's not always easy. Right. Um, and I'll give you an example. I mean, I've had I've had situations. Uh, I'll give you two. I have one where true story. I was being offered a job. I was actually being offered the job as general manager of Geffen Records. And I was told by what was to be my boss that he started the conversation by saying, you know something, Jeff? You know, you just happen to be black. And then I don't think I heard anything he said for the next probably 25 to 35 seconds. It just right. went to like a, it was like a Charlie Brown cartoon where he was talking. It was like, wah, 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 wah. I was just like, <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, did this man just say, I just happened to be black? And, and, the, and of course, the range of emotions are running through me. Do I get up and walk out? Do I get up and slap him? You know, of course, we can do that. It was, I will admit, it was, it was in the decision tree. Right. So here and listen. And there was another there was another individual in the room at the time. And after the meeting, as I walked out, the other guy ran up to me and said, Did you understand what he was saying? 
I said, hell no, I didn't understand. I understood what he said, but I don't, I mean, like, I'm not, you know, he said, sir, calm down, calm down, calm down. I said, why? He goes, I, he doesn't, he's, he's not the most articulate. What he was trying to say was not that you happen to be black, but what he was saying was he views you as a music executive who's black, not as a black music executive, meaning he viewed me as someone whose abilities were not defined by genre or, or necessarily, or defined, not defined is the wrong word, limited by genre or culture, but someone who could, you know, who's an executive that, that uh, you know, is, is, is about the music business irrespective of genre, right? Which, which I guess is a, in, in, my, in my feeling, I still think it's a rather offhand compliment, I guess. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, to, to, at its best, you know, don't get me wrong. I took the job. So, um, and, 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 uh, and, and with pride, I, um, I remember one time I went to a show for one of the bands with a rock band playing at some club here in LA. And I went to the show and I remember the marketing person came up to me and said, wow, you're here. I'm so glad you came. Wow. That's so great that you actually came. And I, I, I guess his inference was because I didn't think you would like this kind of music, right? So you know, you know, you deal with things like that. You make a mental note, um, and and you know, and sometimes you keep it moving, sometimes you don't. But in that instance, uh, you know, I kept it moving and, and chalked it up to what it was. Um, another example was, and I was this was when I I'd been in the music business maybe four or five years, and I was negotiating a deal with another lawyer, there's a, another lawyer on the other end of the phone, but I was in the room with, with uh, another lawyer from the company who was senior to me, but I was leading the negotiation and we were arguing over a point. And the lawyer on the other side, who, who I'd met many times in person, um, who was an older gentleman, some would say a legend, uh -huh. uh, he said, you know, you know, he was asking for a certain uh, amount of money. I was not willing to give that. And he said, you know what? You're just being, frankly, you're just being niggardly. <gasps> exactly. That's what I did, right? The, the other guy in the room, we were on a speakerphone. He hit the mute button right away. And the, the guy on the other end of the phone said, look it up in Webster's Dictionary. It means miserly or cheap. And I'm sitting there like, he did not just say this. <laughs> oh, my God. So I, you know, my colleague who was, who was white, I, I, you know, I appreciated that because he actually, he said, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Just chill for a second. And then we went off of mute and continued the negotiation and got it done. And I never forgot that as long as I live. And I, wow. We started this whole conversation like, nah, everything's cool. I'm good. I don't have issues. I haven't done. And then you go there. Thank you, Jeff Morrow. We, look, we, 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 we go through these things and we're not alone. You know, we all go through them in our own ways. What I've learned is the importance of, and where the role I'm in now is really making sure that younger people, more junior people, people coming up know that that I know 
that these things happen and know that I that it's not okay and that they are welcome to talk to me about it or anybody else and that I'll be damned if they talk to me, it's going to become an issue because it should be. That's awesome. And, I, and I'm really proud of, of the things that you guys are doing and what you're doing and your perspective on that. You know, what, what, how are you encouraging your, I know you have kids, um, how are you encouraging them to, to, to have confidence and courage and embrace their authentic selves? That's a boy. We how much time do we have? Not uh, much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a regular topic of conversation. Um, that my wife and I have uh, with our kids. There we have four, and they're all slightly different um, in terms of personality and and, and approach. But um, generationally, things are a little different, um, and and. Um, Again, it's it's it, you know I, I, I it's it's always trying to instill in them the confidence to to uh, you know to to take your position and stick with it, stick to it. Um, the the um, instilling a sense of duty to to uh, you know what 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 I think my my. My grandfather would have probably called the you know black man's burden. I call it now their duty to call it out. I mean, you can't, you know, you you it, it's not okay. Um, and 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 you know, certain behaviors are not okay. And be the one to to stand up and 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 uh, you know and and call it out. Um, and uh, you know, and they're and they're. You know, they're they're learning to to find their you know their own comfort level and and all of those uh, in, you know and all those behaviors. Well, that's diverse. I mean, having four kids and they're all different. Um, you you should be a master <laughs> at at uh, managing diversity. Uh, I feel I feel for you. Um, so, you know, what what role Jeff, do you feel that diversity, inclusion, and equity has played in how you've walked through life, both personally and professionally? And what do you feel that your role is and your obligation is with respect to to diversity, inclusion, and equity? Well, you know, I I feel very strongly about diversity. Uh, I feel even more strongly about equity and inclusion in my you know in my life you know our generation um i think diversity was helpful in terms of opening some doors that probably weren't open before um but you know when i look at diversity it's it's the easy job right diversity is getting a bunch of people who look different or come from different backgrounds or have differing experiences all together in the same room. Great. That's easy. That's relatively easy. I mean, we think back to our, you know, our ancestors, you know, I'm sure my parents would say, no, it's really hard, but no, that's the easy job. The, the, the real challenge and the win is when you are able to, to develop inclusion and ultimately equity. 
And I view it really in that in that order. And and what that means to me is that it's not that that the institution, organization, whatever, is able to provide you know a diverse workforce, student body, class size, whatever. That there's not that's not like there's a diverse group of people who are make up or comprise that institution. It's that 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 diversity is in the bloodstream. That those individuals are are have come into that organization and have a and, and are and are able to be accepted in the organization and to be able to help you know drive the organization. So what I mean by that is, so for example, if you bring in a bunch of diverse people, I think I think I would say it's probably the 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 mindset. 35, 40 years ago was diversity, get them in, and then we'll have them assimilate to the way we are. The organization right. was changing. I, I mean, I can talk about some of those law firms I worked at. It was like, glad to have you, you know, you know, come to the come to the club. In fact, you know, one of the firms even had a retreat in West Virginia, a firm that I worked at, and it was at a former like plantation. It was like, I mean, it's crazy. But you know, you 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 that I mean is it's it's diversity, but that's like you want me to assimilate and become like you. I don't want to do that. The key is when you can get inclusion and then equity, and that requires the organization institution to change, right. grow, to expand, so that it actually now encompasses that that complete circle of diversity. Rather than bringing people in and changing them, and that's the that's when it works because the the importance of having a diverse workforce is it's better. It makes us stronger. I want different opinions. I want different points of view. I want you know that's how we're we're gonna we're gonna be better. If everybody's thinking the same thing all the time, we're all gonna be. You know, it makes it makes it easy. But we're all gonna do the same thing. We're we're not gonna innovate. We're not gonna. Uh, grow. We're not going to expand and 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 and, and develop and, and and evolve into what we can actually be. The strength is when you have is when you have a diverse workforce that is that has a, an element of a you know or you know substantial degree of inclusion, and that means the institution has actually changed by having those people there, and that's what makes it better. Um, and, and, you know, and equity is critical in the equation because like, you know, we could bring in, say we have a record label with a hundred people in it and 70 of them are, you know, uh, are, are the most diverse group in terms of race, ethnicity, uh, religion, you know, whatever, all the, all the, all the, all the boxes, right? But the top 10%, are a bunch of white men, it's, it, you know, that's not equity. Right. That's not equity. And, well, and so, you know, you people talk about things like the Rooney Rule. Um, for those who aren't familiar with the Rooney Rule, it came from the NFL where they, you know, interviewing for coaches by, by rule, they had to in the final two or three candidates, something like that, had had to include at least one, uh, one, one, one you know, diverse candidate. Um, right. You know, I, I, I'm I'm all for that in in businesses like mine. You know, for for positions that are VP, senior VP, and above, absolutely, because that's the only, that's the only way you'll 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 get change. People, we all know this. 
people hire people like themselves. It's easy. Yeah. I go yeah. back to that, to that juror, right? That juror was just like the three other guys on my trial team. They could totally relate to him. They could totally relate to him. They'd, they'd want to be friends with him just from interviewing him for a jury. He went to Duke. One guy even said that. I went to Carolina. He went to Duke. I'm like, what right. are you talking Really? So people hire people like themselves. We know that. And, right. and, and so people aren't necessarily looking for someone that's not like themselves. And when they're exposed to someone who is someone they would, I mean, how often you're in this, you're in this business, but how often is someone put in front of someone and, and it's an indiv- it's a candidate that they would never on their own have, have thought would be appropriate. And, and lo and behold, they, after meeting them, they go, she's amazing. Where's she been? I got, I mean, She's, I, I wouldn't have thought it, but she's incredible. And that's what you, that's, that's why I think that rule is very important because you have to at least expand the candidate pool. Well, and let me ask you, I can go on forever on this. I I feel very strongly about it. I'm very outspoken about it. Um, And, and, and it's, and it's critically, critically important uh, for change. And of course, you know, that's my business and that's what my passion is. And that's where I spend my, my time professionally, but but let me ask you this: as a as a uh, an executive with the ability to hire outside counsel, and this is what a lot of a lot of diverse uh, uh, partners and partners of color talk about all the time is that you know um, there it's hard for them to get the credit for the business. You know, it's hard for them to um, to to get their, you know, to, to get the, the revenue uh, associated with having business. And, and a lot of people think that that's up to people like you, to, you know, the GCs and, and the people who are hiring uh, partners and, and working with these law firms. You know, do you feel that there's a part that you, you or your colleagues should play in getting that kind of equity um, for, for, for people of color in those positions? I, 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 absolutely. I mean, you know, there, there. I'll say this: it, it's, um, you know, I have instituted the policy, you know, a, a policy to that extent, where I mean, there's some relationships our company has had with certain firms for a really long time, and in those instances, it's actually been a little bit easier because I've, I, you know, my, my conversation has been, I think you're great, uh, you do fantastic work for us. I'm very happy with your the work the firm does as a client. The only thing that bothers me is I you you know I am tired of not seeing people that look different in the room. So right. I'm suggesting that you find that. Now that doesn't address the partner billing issue because there'll be situations where partners are typically you know, I'm talking about you know tend to be certain white men. But I, but in other instances, you know, I have I have sought out uh, uh, certain, uh, you know, partners of color, um, and, and ask them, you know, and, and actually have sought out business from them. Um, uh, and, and made it, but it's certainly been made clear to all the firms we work, we work for that, uh, I'm sorry, that we work with that, uh, you know, that it's something that matters to me. Um, in some respects, I think it's easier for me than if I were, uh, not a, a, a GC of color. Um, in the right. sense that, you know, it's, not, it's a very short conversation, you know, um, and, 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 you know, and, and, and I've seen 
the change. Um, you know, I really have. It was a, there's one story. I, I'll leave names out of it, but I was at a um, a bar function. The, the the black bar here in LA had a function. It was last year, and I was the guest of of a firm, um, and there was a kind of a break lull in the dinner with these large large galas. And uh, the MC for the evening was walk, walking around talking to people. And she went to one table and said, what firm are you at? Are, are you from? And the, and the, uh, the a couple of the lawyers at the table said the name of their firm, which we do a tremendous amount of work with. But every lawyer I've ever met from that firm is white. And I'm like, what? So I get up from my chair, walk over the, to that table and say, are you guys with firm X? And they go, yeah. And I said, Hi, I'm Jeff Rolleston. I'm the general counsel of Universal. You guys do a lot of work with us. How, how, how do I not know you? Um, and you know, out came the business cards, which was great. In fairness, one of the one of them is was a lateral partner who had just started a week before. Uh, okay. But the good news is, she was also like really had a really strong reputation in in, in practice in class actions. Which guess what? We just got sued in the class action. Okay. <laughs> we were thinking of using her new firm. So um, the, the so that night I went home, and uh, uh, that night or the next morning I sent an email to the partner that I deal with, and almost instantaneously I got one back saying I was just about to email you. I heard you ran into you know some of my partners last night at this dinner. I you know. Can we can we do a lunch? I want to bring everybody. And so we had a lunch, and now again yeah, things are things are uh, things are very are very positive. So it, you know it, it's it does it definitely I think the GCs have a role to play, and not just the GCs of color. All general counsels have a role to play. Right, right. Well, Jeff, this has been wonderful. It's been enlightening, um, and it's been fun. Uh, and I and I, I just really want to thank you for spending the time and, and telling all those stories. I'm I'm glad all the names remain nameless, but um, uh, thank you for for sharing with us. And um, I I hope you enjoyed it. I really did. Thank you, Merle, and thank you for for the opportunity to share some of these stories. I guess I think it's also very important that we all uh, talk with one another and, and, and share with one another and. Uh, um, and, and, and that particularly those lawyers who might be in practice environments where they're a, you know, one of, um, know that you're not, you know, you're not, you're, you're not, the experiences you're having are not singular, that they're shared by many others. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, one thing that's always been helpful to me are, are colleague relationships and, and, you know, being active in, in local bar associations and, and the like. So uh, I encourage you all to, to do that. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for being here to BS with me today, Jeff. And thanks to everyone for, for listening. Hit it. That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now, from the beginning. We hope you enjoyed the stories shared in today's episode of BS, Beyond Stereotypes. Join us next time when another authentic personality unleashes their uniqueness on the world.